So a few days ago, I had lunch with a member of our congregation whose birthday happens to fall on September the 11th. And she said to me, what are you going to preach about on September or Sunday, September the 11th? And she said, you know, I, uh, my birthday, I want it to be a joyful day. I want it to be a happy day. I don't want to be uh, burdened by all that happened on September the 11th, 2001. So I said to her, well, come to the 9 o'clock service. The 9 o'clock service is about baptism. We had two, uh, an, an adult was baptized and a, a baby was baptized at 9 o'clock. And we're going to talk about the lessons, about the lessons in the gospel, which is the the, that 15th chapter of Luke's gospel is like the gospel within the gospel. And I said, and it's going to be all about God's love for all of us. So come to the 9 o'clock service. And then this past Friday, I was having friends with a friend also and uh, having breakfast with a friend. And he said to me, you're going to talk about 9-11 on Sunday, aren't you? 9-11, September the 11th, and uh, reflect on t- 2001. And I said, well... Come to the 745 service. I'm going to talk about it at 745 and come to the 11 o'clock service and I'm going to talk about it some at the 11 o'clock service. So I'm going to talk about 9-11, some reflections about 9-11 because it's such an important day in so many of our lives. We were, I was here. Many of you were here. We were all citizens here, residents of the city of Washington. Let me tell you just a couple of things I remember out 2000, uh, uh, September 11, 2001. We had a funeral here that morning. And after the funeral, we had all heard something about planes and so on. We were getting ready for the funeral. And uh, when we walked out of the funeral, we realized that something really, really bad had happened in New York City. And then to make sure that we got the message, we turned and walked out of the church. Everybody was leaving the church, and we turned over towards the White House. And it's when all the folks from the White House were coming out there because they had told them that uh, there was a plane that was headed that way. And people who had not run since high school gym class were sprinting down 16th Street to try to get away from the White House. There were women who had uh, thrown their high heels away and were in their stocking and uh, running down the street, uh, 16th Street, trying to get away from the White House for fear of that there was a plane coming there. I told the staff, I'll never forget it, I said, you all, everybody go home. Everybody go home. I'll shut the church here. I'll, I'll get everything done and, and shut the church up. And immediately after that, as soon as I had done that, I was headed, to, headed home, and the whole place had been secured. So all of the Secret Service people were armed, and they had their guns out, and the, uh, all those hidden submachine guns, or whatever they call them, uh, were all out. And I remember thinking, uh, this is not a good idea to get in my car right now and try to drive out of this thing. This whole area had been secured. And fortunately, one of the Secret Service guys had been here on Sunday morning because President Bush had been to worship with us the previous Sunday and he recognized me, so he walked up to the front of the parish house, and he said to me, I recognize who you are. Let me walk you out of the perimeter. So literally, he sat there with his gun and his hip and his arms, and he said, get in your car, but don't go fast. And he said, I'm going to walk you out of the perimeter. Well, you can imagine, I was so nervous, I thought I was going to step on the accelerator to go, and they would all fire away. Fortunately, he walked me out, and the other thing I remember from that day was how glad I was to be home. How glad I was to finally get home. A year later, we started a pattern here at St. John's Church of having a service. President Bush requested it, a service honoring and remembering 9-11. But a year later, 2002, we had that service. And I went back to look at my uh, notes from that day. So I'm offering these, uh, uh, and the question was, what was the, what had we learned in a year? What had we learned about ourselves in a year? One of the things I mentioned in that day was that um, 
Some of us had attended a, a concert for America that took place over at the Kennedy Center. And in it, there was a film about a young woman that said that it felt like we all had received a tattoo in our arms the same, at the same time, that all of us who have been here in Washington had all had a tattoo in our arms that said that we had been part of 9-11 and that that would never, ever go away. St. Paul talks about the, uh, the, the, that things change in our lives like in the blink of an eye. In the blink of an eye, the things change in our life. And that's what she said, and she was right about that. I said, what else have we learned? We had the tattoo. All of us have the tattoo. What else have we learned? Well, I, we, I said that we got a sense, gained a sense of our own mortality. And I said that every second of our lives is a gift. A gift not to be misused. I said that day that God only gives us today, that that's all that God promises us, to give us that day. There is no promise for tomorrow. And I also said that I had been watching a show on TV about 9-11 that had taken place, and it was about a teenage girl whose father died in the World Trade Center, and she said that her advice to anyone who still has a daddy is this, spend lots of time with him because of the uncertainty of life. What else had we learned in a year? I said that we had learned that anything that is good can be distorted into something that it was not intended to be. And I said that it boggles the imagination to think that one of the world's great religions, Islam, could be perverted and used by people whose sole purpose was to destroy, to terrorize, to kill all with the presumed blessing and in the name of their God. I said that we had learned that we were a people of courage and we talked about the firefighters and we talked about the police people and we talked about all the people who went back into those buildings even as they crashed and about all the people and the work that was done at the Pentagon. I said that the people who hate us were people who hated us because of who we were, because we were the embodiment of all the freedom that they couldn't tolerate. That with our broad racial, ethnic, and religious diversity, we scared those people to death. And I said that it seemed to me that one of the great unnoticed stories of everything that had happened in that past year was this, that the symbol of American military power had been built almost exclusively by immigrant laborers. And it was this nature of our society, this polyglot society, that drove them crazy, drove them nuts. And I said that we drive people who want to separate people, we drive them nuts because we want to be here and because we like the diversity of our society and that we are learning how to respect the dignity of every human being. And we do that because we recognize that every individual is made in the image of God, all of us a unit of God's grace. When I look back on some of those notes from that day, I thought some of them are things that are good things that we learned about ourselves, some things we learned good about how good the people are of the United States. The one thing I mentioned, failed to mention, but it's here, uh, is that... Uh, People were nice for a year. Did you remember that? I remember going to the grocery store one time during that year, and I remember asking, trying to find something in aisle, whatever, something that I needed. And the guy at the grocery store, instead of just saying, yeah, it's over in aisle number nine, the guy walked me over to aisle number nine, picked the stuff out of the shelf, put it in my, in my basket, and said, I'm glad to be able to be helpful to you. 
And I thought to myself, aren't we, haven't we become nice in a year? I remember people yielding at 16th and 8th Street. <laughs> Unbelievable. And we learned that we were and can be a good people. And that we are a good people. Fifteen years later, what else have we learned? Uh, we've learned that we make mistakes. Iraq. Abu Ghraib, Guantanamo. The erosion of civil rights. The deportation of foreign nationals. The scapegoating of foreign nationals. We've learned that we've made some mistakes. What else have we learned? That it's important to learn about each other's faith, that faith matters. I have to tell you that in 1977, when I was ordained, the whole thing that we called ecumenical conversation was the conversations between Episcopalians, Baptists, Presbyterians, Methodists, Roman Catholics, and any other denomination that wanted to gather, all trying to make some sense about how we live, about the, believe in the same God and about the same Christ. Uh, now that's like comparing the lightning bug to lightning. Because what we've learned is that we are, our ecumenical conversations need to be about the Abrahamic faiths, about the Muslim faith, the Jewish faith, and about the Christian faith. And that we need to learn a great deal about each other. I've learned more about Islam in the last 15 years of my life than I did in the first 50 years of my life. And it was forced on us because of what happened on September the 11th, and I think we're the better for it. Do you know that the Quran today is one of the top 10 selling religious titles on Amazon.com? And did you know that there are 3. As of 2015, there are 3.3 million Muslims in this country, which far outnumber the 1.9 million Episcopalians in this country? We learn to be able to distinguish between Iraq and Iran, about Sunni, Shiites, Kurds. All that is good. It expands the horizon of who we are and who we can be and what we can learn. We realize that faith matters. Your faith matters. Their faith matters. Everybody's faith matters. And because of that, we, I begin to realize that the problems we face in this world, which have religious beliefs as their beginning, are challenges that stem not so much from, religious, from the religions themselves as from the radical and fundamental adherence of those faiths, whether those faiths be Islam, Judaism, or Christianity. I've learned that it is not the religion of a person that is the decisive factor. It's how the religion is expressed. The great threat is not God but what people do in God's name, believing that they are carrying out some sort of divine will or judgment. And so what we have witnessed, unfortunately, are settlers claiming the land in the West Bank and ultra-Orthodox partisans displacing Palestinians because God has promised them the land. It's what we have witnessed. A right-wing Christian a few years ago opposed to abortion who shoots a doctor as he arrives in the family planning clinic in Florida. It's what happened when a group of young men under the influence of Osama bin Laden become convinced that driving airplanes into tall buildings and killing innocent people 
will bring honor to God's name. I think one of the things that we can take as a learning from these past 15 years is more clarity about the truth that what draws us closer to God must not drive us away from each other. God's way is respectful of the humanity of others and that lives, the life we live in tolerance and understanding of all of those beliefs and the practices of others is a sign of being a person of God. One of the passages that we read just about every funeral in this church comes from John's cha- John chapter 14, uh, verses 1 through 6. And it talks about Jesus talking about him being the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father by me. After what's happened since September the 11th, I want to tell you, I have struggled and struggled and struggled with that passage. And every time that we have a funeral here, I'm begging and hoping against all hope that people will not choose that as the reading for the day. The way that I've learned to translate it is that the way that Jesus is talking about, if we are people of the way, it is that we are called to respect the humanity of others with tolerance and understanding and the practices of others. Anything less than that is the abuse of religion and mistaking our passion for God's passion. What else have we learned? Something's changed in us. I don't know what it is, but we can't seem to solve the issues that are before us as a nation with any kind of civil discourse and reasonable public debate. Something has happened. I'm not sure what it is. Something has happened to all of us that turns us in against ourselves and we barely have a civil word for one another. Our nation has become divided between red elephants and blue donkeys and red zinger tea parties. The House of Representatives can barely abide sitting in the same room together, and so we lurch from one policy crisis to another without solving anything. The important issues of our lives as a nation, economic policy, poverty, racial profiling, the unequal distribution of wealth, health care, and social security languish for lack of eloquent advocates, while in the meantime, the public discourse is reduced to talking heads on television that we watch because we happen to agree with them. I don't know if you've been keeping up with uh, the, the whole thing about Colin Kaepernick, you know, the quarterback, the uh, substitute quarterback for the 49ers. There's a guy that writes about sports in the Wall Street Journal. His name is Jason Gay, who's become one of my favorite sports writers. And he wrote a column about all of this uh, just this past week or so. Let me quote some of it. And he says, uh, in this Kaepernick drama, he said, instead of listening, what we got is shouting. Instead of conversation, what we got is a fray. This is what we get now a wild carnival of outrage. American life now veers directly from action to reaction. No discussion, no consideration of the other side. Instant opinion is what matters, no matter how rushed, inaccurate, facile, or unreasonable. Some media clowns, he says, think this this rage machine is entertaining. 
but it is not. It is boring, he says. And then he goes on later in this column talking about the social media that's become rampant in our society. And he said, it's a wonderful platform for a conversation, for expression and the sharing of ideas. And I agree with him, as all of us do. But he said that social media in 2016 is like stepping into a trash bag of angry bees. Everything is disturbing. All of it is about genuine hate, hate, sociopathic lack of empathy, and almost zero engagement with opposing opinions unless it is to demonize or insult them ad hominem. Some things happened to us since 9-11, and we have to learn how we're going to become a better people as we deal with it. My hope, after all these things that we have learned, is that we can relearn a better way about ourselves. It's going to take all of us. It begins with each and every one of us to relearn how to be civil and courteous towards one another, how to debate ideas without maligning the character of those with whom we disagree. It is not just this nation. It happens in the church as well. I think we have to be called back where we can solve the challenges we face with civility at least, maybe even with patience, maybe with forgiveness, certainly with God's hope standing in front of us and for all of us of the Christian faith with the abiding faith that God sees each and every one of us as one of his own, a unit of God's grace. So today, maybe we can rededicate ourselves as we remember 9-11. Maybe we can rededicate ourselves to be more tolerant and patient towards those whose faith is different from us. Maybe today we can remember 9-11 and rededicate ourselves to take upon ourselves more civility and openness to others that does not mean making enemies out of friends and that engages differences with respect. And maybe we can learn to be patient with God because God's ways are not always our ways. Always remembering that God has never abandoned us. God God has never left us comfortless, even though at times we yearn for more of God than we can see. And perhaps taking that yearning for more of God that we can see is something we can take away from today to be a better people, a more faithful people. So I finished that day, September 11th, 2002, with this blessing as I offer it for our sakes again. Go into the world in peace, have courage, hold on to what is good, return no one evil for evil, strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all people, and love and serve the Lord, always, always rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.